The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to another edition of Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, this Friday evening. Early Friday evening on the 15th of November 2019, corresponding to the 17th of Rabi'ul Awal, I make it, third month of the Islamic year 1441. As usual, we are broadcasting live on Luton 105.1 FM and of course also broadcasting across some of our sister stations nationally, Sheffield Link FM. Assalamualaikum to the people of Sheffield. Peterborough Salam uh, again Salamu Alaikum to people of Peterborough Derby Nottingham Salamu Alaikum to all our listeners in Derby and Nottingham and nationally and internationally of course Salamu Alaikum to all our listeners via the Inspire FM app or indeed if you are tuned in to us via Facebook 01582481822 is the number here in the studio 01582481822 is the number here in the studio I want to hear from you good people this evening 0779 0779 your sms and your whatsapp messages so make them short make them sweet but make them count make your voices heard 01582481822 at the number here in the studio to get in touch with me live from the studios of Inspire FM and Juma Mubarak to all of our listeners inshallah pray that the day has gone by well Right, so we've got a number of stories lined up for you this evening, inshallah ta'ala. We're going to be covering a, a couple of international stories as well as national stories. We're going to be starting off by discussing Barbary Masjid. Barbary Masjid. Do you remember Barbary Masjid in India? Right, Barbary Masjid in India. So we're going to be covering the story on Barbary Masjid. I don't know if, if some of you followed the recent news uh, with regards to Barbary Masjid. Now, Barbary Masjid was the Masjid in Ayodhya in India, right? Which was destroyed, which was destroyed, which was made Shaheed by some uh, members of the far-right Hindu nationalist movie in, uh, uh, movement in India. And this is back in the early 1990s. A lot of you probably weren't born at that time. So a lot of you probably were born. But in 1992 was demolished by a mob of radical Hindus. Recently, the case has been decided in the courts. In the Supreme Court of India, we're going to be discussing that. Because the Indian Supreme Court has made a rather controversial I could use a, f- a firmer word than that, but it's made a very controversial judgment. So we're going to be going over across to India to get an update in terms of what's been happening on this particular case. So that's Babri Masjid. If you if you if you're amongst those who remember the times of Babri Masjid when the Babri Masjid was destroyed, was made shaheed, then do get in touch, please. So that's going to be the first international story we're going to be covering. We're going to be going from there, from an international story in India. We're going to be coming local. We're going to be coming national, rather, and we're going to be covering a very positive story with regards to a Muslim sister based in Nottingham. Based in Nottingham, a, a gifted teenager who, hang on, and, and, and I just want you to listen to this, who couldn't speak English last year. 
who couldn't speak English last year recently has come into the UK but now a year later is on the top of her class top of her class and being nominated for a, a fantastic award by her school we're gonna be speaking to this teenager and speaking to a teenage and uh, speaking to a teacher sorry live from Nottingham Last but not least, we've got a couple of other stories we're going to be covering this evening, inshallah. We aim to cover this evening. I don't know if a lot of my listeners are familiar or aware of the fact that it's Islamophobia Awareness Month. Islamophobia Awareness Month, right? And it's been launched uh, under launch 2019. It's the Islamic uh, Islamophobia Awareness Month. A lot of activity happening nationally up and down the country, right? So we're going to be also speaking to um, a number of organizations, number of activists who are going to be giving us an update and give, being given us, uh, going to be providing us with, uh, you know, some background information in terms of what is this Islamophobia Awareness Month all about. In addition to that, we're going to find out what's been happening on the ground with regards to Islamophobia. But you know what? I want to actually probe a bit further, deeper down, and ask the question. Where is this Islamophobia actually all originating from? What is the root cause analysis of Islamophobia? Who is it that is stirring all of this misunderstanding in our society with regards to Islam and the Muslims? And that's my question to you. And if you've got a view on that, get in touch. 01582-481822. Islamophobia, what is it about for you? Who do you think, what do you think is the root cause of Islamophobia in our society today? 01582-481822. 0779481822 and as, as I've said many 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 times before is I could sit here and be and, and sit here and discuss you know for the next two hours but you really what gives value to this show is you our listeners is you our listeners right Barbary Masjid Islamophobia teenage gifted te- uh, 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 gifted teenager who couldn't speak English last year but now is on top of her class and make incredible stories I want to hear your thoughts right last but not least I've got a number of other stories that I'm going to be covering uh, later on inshallah or intermittently across the two hours the next two hours inshallah we're going to be looking at Gaza Gaza seems to have made headlines again okay what's been happening in Gaza and of course it is that time of the year at least it is this year and this time around because it's not traditionally a month of elections but December is now heralding the new fresh general elections which have been announced and it's of course election fever all the way around and I just couldn't help but listening to BBC Radio 4 on the way into the studio and the whole debate with regards to the latest policy that has been launched by Labour late last night with regards to free free broadband for the nation free broadband for the nation sounds good doesn't it but is it another gimmick just to get me and you to vote for Labour what do you think of the labor policies? What do you, what do you think of the, some of the policies that have been announced so far? The labor policies on, on, on free internet. We're hearing, you know, policies with regards to tuition fees. We're hearing policies with regards to, you know, uh, employment. We're hearing policies with regards to a number NHS. We're hearing a number of policies. And we're not surprised to hear these policies. It's inevitable that we're going to have the politicians promising us the world. But the question is, are they going to deliver? Or are these going to be just empty rhetoric empty words those are the questions that i want to get out there to my listeners this evening those are the questions that i've given you plenty of questions to think about 
And it's impossible for you not to have a view on any of these topics. Impossible. I don't believe you don't have a view on these topics. If you got a view, please share them with me. 0779 is the number for your SMS, WhatsApp messages. You don't have to give me your name if you don't want to. If you don't want me to say your name on live and air, I won't say your name live on air. And I promise. And if you want to speak to me, you know, pick up the phone and trust me, I am not intimidating. I am not that scary at all. And I'll be promised to be friendly and, and amicable as far as possible. 01582 481822 is the number here in the studio. Right, inshallah ta'ala, uh, the plan is to go to India, but at the moment I think we're having some technical problems in terms of trying to get through to India uh, so that we could then actually speak and we could start with our lead story. And the lead story, of course, was the, the verdict on Babri Masjid, right? The verdict on Babri Masjid. Now, Indian Muslims, of course, have expressed their disappointment at Babri Masjid verdict, right? You know, I just want to show of hands how many people actually followed the news story with regards to the verdict on Babri Masjid. Now, if I'm, I, I may be wrong. I may be totally wrong, right? But if I, if I'm correct, right, it was almost like a sideline news item. It was almost like a sideline news item that happened, right? That was announced, right? And I don't really remember mainstream media really picking up on it and really giving it the coverage that it deserved, right? Now, why is that? What are the reasons for that, right? I'm going to ask the question to you, my listeners. If you follow the story, great. You can correct me and say, no, Ishaban, you're wrong. You know, it was covered and I remember following it on BBC or Al Jazeera or Sky News or whatever the, the, um, the, the forum or the medium that you may have followed the story on, right? But at least I don't remember the mainstream media really giving it the coverage that it ought to have. And subhanAllah, let me just take you back to time. Right, let me take you back into time, right, and also get, bring you up to speed if you, in case you missed the, the story, or in case you missed the verdict, right? So, whilst we try to get through to, you know, our guest, and, and our guest this evening on this subject matter is Suleiman Khurshid, who is an Indian politician, designated senior advocate, eminent author, and, and a law teacher. He was the cabinet minister of the Ministry of External Affairs. And he belongs to the Indian National Congress. So I'm hoping that we're going to be able to speak to Suleiman Khurshid very, very shortly. Uh, and he is live from India. In fact, I've just got the thumbs up from the producer saying that we have got Suleiman Khurshid on the line. First and foremost, uh, a, a very warm welcome to Friday Night Live, Suleiman Khurshid Saab. And thank you very much for joining us from India this evening. Oops, uh, I think we've lost uh, Suleiman uh, Khurshid. Uh, I think we've lost him, so we're going to try to go back to Suleiman Khurshid. And whilst we're waiting for to try and go through, uh, get through to Suleiman Khurshid, let me give you uh, an introduction. So the Indian Muslim organisations, right, uh, have expressed their disappointment at the decision of the Supreme Court to hand over the site of the Babri Masjid to Hindus for the construction of a temple, right. Uh, I haven't received any social media messages up until now. Wallahi, if you're really familiar with this story and you've really followed this story, you know, I should have had social media messages right up to, uh, by now, right? Barbary Masjid is a masjid that was built in 1528, 1528 under the rule of the Mughal, 
under the rule of the Mughals, uh, Babur, uh, he was the one who uh, instructed the building of the Babri Masjid in India's northern province of Uttar Pradesh, right, in 1528. Now, I did my calculation earlier, and that's almost 500 years ago. 500 years ago that this masjid was built. Right, and in 1992, 1992, right, uh, 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 you know, some radical, like I said, far right wing Hindus uh, mob up them, lynch the, you know, the, you know, the, the Muslims and, and the, the the sacred site of the of the masjid, and they destroyed the masjid. They destroyed the masjid. They made the masjid shaheed, and the Hindus they claimed, okay, the, the, this group at least claimed. One of their deities, right? This is a strange one. One of their deities, Ram, was born at the site of the mosque, right? So that's the background. I think we've got yeah. Suleiman Sab yeah. on, on the call again. Suleiman Sab, first and foremost, a warm welcome to Friday Night Live. Sorry for the technical problems, but I've just given an introduction to my listeners with regards to the verdict on the Babri Masjid. A bit of background. First and foremost, what, what are your views on, on the verdict? Well, it's, um, it's a verdict that we will all be anxiously waiting for we've said that uh, we must prepare the ground for everybody to accept it wholeheartedly mm. uh, because uh, it's been a long time and it's been a very complicated issue um, and the courts had a very delicate task to perform uh, we had said we would welcome the verdict and we would honor the verdict and that's what uh, I, I believe we've all done yeah, I'm a bit surprised by, by your comments, actually, because you, you say it was a delicate situation. I mean, you know, a masjid has been standing for 500 years. A mob of individuals decide to demolish the masjid, all right? Any place of worship, whether it was a church, whether it was a temple, whether it was a synagogue, 500 years it's been standing there. You, you demolish it. How can that be a delicate issue? And, and, and how can we welcome a judgment when a place of worship has been destroyed? What is the signal that you're sending to the people? Well, I, I think that if you look at it in isolation, uh, you may be, you may sound right, but let's not forget that there was a title dispute on that property. Um, you could say that a part of that property, part of that property, part of the original mosque, was treated as being uh, in the entitlement of Muslims, but there was also a part of that property. It's called the outer courtyard that Muslims conceded throughout including in the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. that had been uh, had been traditionally in the possession of Hindus and that prayers prayers had been performed mm -hmm. and that there was an idol of Lord Ram that had been established and consecrated there. Right. Now, this is not for third parties to question because the very Muslims who were uh, seeking title protection as far as the inner courtyard was con work was concerned, mm. had themselves in the Supreme Court conceded that the outer courtyard was mm. with the Hindus, and that there was no no uh, issue at all about questioning 
their right to continue prayers in the outer court. But but I, but I think there's a fundamental problem here, Suleiman Sab. I mean, if you're if you're telling me the outer courtyard, okay, you know, what was being used by Hindus for 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 worship historically, and there was a, a you know a presence of of an idol. I mean, a that doesn't give anyone the green light to go and destroy the mosque. That's a. B in, in it doesn't give any court that then therefore the right to say now the whole of that land can be used for a temple instead of a mosque. The only amicable and rational and an intelligent decision would be the fact that the mosque must remain a mosque. And if there is an area that was historically proven, right, that it was used as a temple, just as as many other places, you know, you go you go to Palestine. There's a very famous. You got the mosque and you got the synagogue right next to it, and you got a Christian church right next to it. You know, you you would have some kind of a model, even if there was some legitimacy to to what you're what you're saying. I mean, what in effect that the court has actually done is given a green light to the actions of a mob who have gone away who have got away with destroying a mosque which has been established for 500 years, and that's not the right kind of signal you want to give to your community. Well, that's not true. Mm. The court has very categorically very categorically said that whatever happened in 1934 by riot and attempts intrude into the mosque mm. whatever happened in 1949 why that mosque mosque was desecrated and idols were placed in the mosque and whatever happened in 1992 which is the demolition of the mosque were all all very serious serious acts acts of uh, law and those uh, that the court has emphasized already the matters are already in in trial courts uh, criminal proceedings are underway. Yeah. Therefore, not this decision doesn't affect the accountability as far as, far as criminal law is concerned. Yeah, okay, but I, I mean, I, I have to say, uh, Suleiman Sabah, I'm, I'm still finding your comments very, 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 uh, uh, almost, almost, I would say, disturbing because of the fact is that the whole site, which clearly was a mosque, 500 years of history of being a mosque, is given away from from the from the you know from the Muslim community to the Hindu community, and we're saying we're going to accept that. I mean, is there no plan to even challenge that decision of well, the Supreme Court by by the Muslim no, community no, in India? The Supreme Court Supreme Court decision is final. We had announced right. in advance that we would respect the Supreme Court decision, right. and it can't be put put to trial afresh somewhere else in the world. Mm. This is a matter, an internal matter of our country. Mm. Um, Supreme Court has obviously applied its mind as to what would put a closure and what would be the fairest thing to do in the circumstances. Right. The Supreme Court has also has also directed that five acres can be given to Muslims for construction of a yes uh, i mean that that's a, that, to be honest with you Suleiman Saab, that that is a token gesture which i've read a lot of the comments from other muslim communities in india saying you know quite frankly we're not interested in in your token gestures supreme court thank you very much well, will you keep they? that keep that to yourself who are they to question I, 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 I mean, they, they have got a, as equal right as one, you have, Suleiman Sab. They are also Muslim, Indian Muslims in Absolutely. India who, who, who are feeling genuinely grieved by this decision. I know they may feel aggrieved, but I'm a Muslim. And if I say I have a right to, I have a right to a mosque there, why would another Muslim have a better right to say that he doesn't want a mosque there? Somebody doesn't want a mosque there, should not be involved. 
somebody who wants to mosque wants to mosque there should sure sure it is it's the political situation Suleiman. it's not a case of i don't want a mosque i mean anywhere there's any any piece of land where we establish a mosque fantastic right but it's not the the principle of establishing a mosque is a principle of where the mosque was established you couldn't value that you couldn't you know protect that and and it go and it takes me to my next question which is has india is india failing as a democracy Suleiman sab i mean you're you're a member of the national you know indian national congress and and you know unfortunately what what i'm seeing in india sitting here in the uk is a so-called democracy that is failing its you know minorities i mean you have muslims who have been lynched in india because they're eating beef or they they have so-called you know been involved with the beef trade you have far you know you have minorities like the christian minorities and other religious minorities being you know mistreated in in india you know and now we have this case which is really an indictment and and a green light to the hindu mobs and and the right wing agenda in india are, are we giving you know has india is india failing as a, as as a democracy uh, mr suleiman listen listen i will answer i will answer your questions if you tell me that um, that uh, football hooligans are destroying democracy in the uk or or people who who act against the black population of the us mm. uh, and who are white supremacists are are destroying democracy in the us all plural societies mm. all plural societies have have democratic deficits and we have to address them from within to ensure that we overcome whatever the flaws and warts are in our societies yeah. and we are doing that i don't think that we we are willing to have other people judge us if there are any suggestions if there are any friendly gestures we would welcome them we don't want people to judge us we will judge ourselves we know what our duties are yeah. we are a functioning democracy we are a good democracy we are a Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, Salman Sab. I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got social media messages coming in. I strongly oppose the opinion of Mr. Salman Khurshid. To be honest, in the fold of the so-called rule of law or Supreme Court, the might is right ruling the world, and in India, and that is exactly what I'm saying. I mean, my concern is, my concern, Mr. Salman, is the green light that you give to the far-right Hindu agenda in India, which is rampant at the moment, and we've seen that in Kashmir, and we've seen that again and again, and. And this is all just is this I'm is sorry, only given a I'm green sorry. light i'm deeply so i'm deeply sorry you are encouraging them by this conversation right we are not encouraging them we know that there is a problem okay and that problem is to be resolved within indian democracy right. no democracy in the world is perfect yeah If we have any flaws and we have any faults we will address them but 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 mr salman t- tell me how is it being addressed right i mean you, l- let's take the example okay pakistan's not a perfect example but you've seen the recent gesture the opening up of the border you've seen the the, the lahore gurdwara that's existed for i don't know how long it's existed for right and a lot of the indian commentators have, have praised you know pakistan for the fact that it's been able to preserve the sikh you know places of worship in pakistan for such a long period of time and in this and indeed islam protects the right of the citizens and places of worship how are you going to be able to do that and how are you going to be able to give security to the muslims of india going forward uh, mr suleiman so sorry i'm i'm, I'm losing you mr suleiman do you want to come to not not everybody else in the world yes we are we are the third largest population in the world yeah. we know how to sort our things out 
we've done we have done a great deal but i'm not saying that what we have done is enough mm. we may need to do more we yeah. need need to more you're giving us an example example of very humane and generous generous conduct and behavior of pakistan well it's the same country there's the same country that perpetuates terrorism against india yeah okay cost enormous life talking to, talking about terrorism so mr mr suleiman let me balance your you know no i agree i agree i think you're right we, we need to balance our, our any uh, discussion and debate but mr suleiman speaking of terrorism i mean what is the update in in kashmir from from your perspective as an indian muslim and and, and a place of kashmir where there is majority muslims i mean it's almost been uh, is it two months of of a total blackout no uh, real no media re- reporting you know restrictions on communications and and a huge amount of you know uh, human violations are being reported what's your perspective on on kashmir and and what what is happening there at the moment my 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 perspective is that we in the congress mr suleman i i i can't hear you unfortunately i can't hear you yes. can we can we try again come closer to well, your i try again i try again the supreme court is handling the matter of kashmir right in 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 a couple of weeks in couple of weeks all the pleadings will be completed right. and the supreme court will hear to what extent the government's actions can be indicted and what extent to what extent right. the, the the steps can be accepted right. they will hear they will hear the issues on communications and freedom they will hear issues on whether the constitutional steps that were taken to truncate the state level yes. of status uh state level of of kashmir yes. all this will be heard by the supreme court and we will all be there before the supreme Thank- court to make sure okay. that whatever whatever is the concern of people of kashmir and the rest of the country yes. Yes. are put to the supreme court mr suleiman khurshid unfortunately we're running out of time but in view of the the verdict from the supreme court on babri masjid i'm not very optimistic when it comes to uh kashmir but thank you very much for your time this evening i know we've had a few technical problems but thank you very much for persisting and thank you very much for your time this evening yeah, lovely right. speaking to you thank you very much Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you very all much. Right, bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Right, uh, gentlemen. I mean, I mean, that was a very interesting conversation. I'm gonna go into a commercial break in about 20 seconds, right? But I do want to hear from you. I mean, that that is, I I, I can't believe what I was hearing. I, I want to get your thoughts. Sarwar has just sent sent me a message. Thank you very much, Sarwar. Ha ha. Supreme Court. Absolutely. I mean, I am got much confidence after the Babri Masjid uh, verdict in terms of Kashmir. But let's let's get our listeners' thoughts when we come back from the commercial break. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban on Inspire FM 105.1 FM on this Friday early evening, uh, 15th of November 2019. Uh, welcome back for those of you who ha- who have just joined, uh, well, who were listening to us earlier. Uh, and it was an interesting conversation earlier that I was having with uh, someone from the National Indian National Congress, uh, Suleiman Khurshid, Indian politician from the Indian National Congress. party now some of you may say well i'm not surprised but 
Mm. Did he raise my eyebrows? Uh, we had uh, Sarwar. Thank you, uh, thank you very much, Sarwar. Jazakallah Heron for your messages. Uh, strongly opposing the opinion of Salman Khurshid. And I really want to reach out to my listeners. 01582. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio. 0779481822. Get involved with the social media debate. What did you think of that opinions uh, that were coming from India? With regards to the verdict on the Babri Masjid, right? Historically, 500 years, that place has been the home to the Babri Masjid. It was pulled down mid-Shaheed by these group of mobs. And now the verdict by the Supreme Court is that it's to be handed over to the Hindu community to for a Hindu temple to be built on the site of the Babri Masjid. Right. I want to hear your thoughts, 01582481822, And like I said before, I don't believe that there's not many, many people out there who have got a, an opinion, who want to voice an opinion on this issue, so I want to hear your opinion. And I'll come back to that story later on, inshallah, but we must continue with our next story. And our next story is a very positive story, mashallah. And it's, uh, it's always fantastic to have positive stories on the radio. We're just so accustomed to hearing negative stories all the time on on radio, on media, on news, etc, etc. So whenever we get a, an opportunity to cover a positive story, hey, we, we'll never let it go. And I want to thank my sister Jabeen for this one. She sent out this story to me from Nottingham uh, on, on the family page. So I thought, let me cover this story because I was really, really impressed. Uh, this is a story about a teenager a, a gifted teenager mashallah who apparently couldn't speak english last year but is now at the top of her class right so this is a, a teenager from uh from nottingham right who's uh, who couldn't speak english on top of her class uh from the emmanuel school i believe moved to england with her family from france in august last year has been put forward for the nottingham post education awards 2019 and of course this story is online and you are able to read the story uh, I'm, I'm 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 very very uh, glad to say that we have got the both the, the student and the teacher live on Friday Night Live so without any further delay let me go straight to it's Veena Muhammad and Miss Karik and, and welcome you to Friday Night Live and welcome you to Inspire FM uh, radio station broadcasting live from, from Luton thank you very much for joining us this evening thank you hi thanks hi 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 that must be that must have been the, the uh, Miss Carrick, is it yeah all right, fantastic. So, so let me let me go to Avina. Uh, Avina, uh, I, I hope I'm saying your name correct first, uh, correctly. Uh, great story, yeah. fantastic achievement. Uh, tell me Thank a you. bit bit more about your story, Avina. So, uh, as you said, I came to England in August 2018. Right. Then, uh, what I did is I I was I was struggling. I was really struggling because I didn't understand English. Yes. So I tried my best to improve my English by studying at home. Then um, that's now how I, I can fluently talk English now. Fantastic, fantastic. And, 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 and Miss Carrick, I mean, what, what, was, uh, what, what was really outstanding for you from, from, from the, the story of, uh, of an achievement and, uh, and, and this particular student that really made you call it out? Well, I think it was because it was really on her own that she managed to make that progress and was able to learn not only to speak and understand English, but also mm. to be able to apply that to old texts 
So she's able to analyse um, Shakespeare on her own, and that's a really difficult thing to do in mm. your first language, never mind your second or third, as Venus now on. And yeah. that's purely because she goes away on her own and keeps working and keeps rereading and keeps practising. And sometimes it's just one word that she struggles to unlock the meaning of a sentence with. Yeah. And so she'll ask for that, and once you've got that, you can see it just, she just knows straight away the meaning of it. And to be wow. able to do that so quickly is just incredible, really. Wow, fantastic. Uh, so, Savina, what, what's, been the, what's been the secret? I, I see from, uh, from the, the article on uh, Nottinghamshire Live that, of course, I mean, you, mashallah, you speak Arabic and, of course, you speak French, uh, apparently a bit of Italian and a little bit of Spanish too. So, so quite, quite a yeah. few languages there. I mean, ha, has that been the kind of a, the, the, the key to success here that you've already got a grasp of a number of languages and therefore you were able to adapt and apply yourself to, to the English language? Yeah, so what I did is always thinking that to not give up because if I give up, I will not progress. Mm. So I was always thinking positively, not mm. negatively. So if I didn't do that, I wouldn't know English that much I know, as I know now. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. And, and in, in comparison to the other languages that you've, uh, you know, you kind of got mastery over, uh, how, how did you find English uh, a, li a little easier or, or difficult? Or, or how does it rank when, when we're talking about Arabic and French and Italian? I, I think that English is more easier than French and Arabic mm. because uh, Arabic and French is really complicated, right. but English is really easy to understand and learn it. Yes, yes. Okay, great. But but uh, as Miss Carrick was saying earlier, English may be a bit easier, but I mean, spe uh, reading Shakespeare to Conan Doyle, they're not exactly the easiest of texts to read, and, and, and the natives the natives struggle to with those kind of texts, right? So, I mean, there is a, there's, there's a good, um, you know, either it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, is, is it just comes natural to you in terms of reading those kind of texts or literature? Is it something that you enjoy? Uh, you know, you, you, I think... So I think it's because of my teacher too, because mm. without my teacher, I wouldn't learn that much because she explains so well. She helped me if I don't understand. I, when I ask questions, she answers me. And I and that's also 50% of my teacher that I learn English, but yeah. also that I learn at home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, especially on behalf of Luton and Inspire Femina and, and our listenership, I, I, sh I think we ought to congratulate first, first and foremost the teachers. I, I think it's always the teachers and, and the effort of the teachers that uh, a lot of the times, unfortunately, goes uh, un, 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 unrecognized, right? So I think we need to recognize that. And, and a shout out for Miss Carrick here. I, I believe Miss Carrick, <laughs> you, 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 you are the you, you are Vina's English teacher, correct? That's right, yeah. Uh, fantastic. So we're gonna we're gonna shout you. We're gonna shout, give you a shout out here, Miss Carrick. Fantastic. You know, we, we you know, I, I mean, unfortunately, it's part of our, almost a, a bit of a societal issue here. Really, that really giving the appreciation to people who add so much value to our society, to our community, in terms of you know public services and, and teachers being one of those. So you know, you know, I think it's it's about time that we start recognizing not only the students' achievement but also the teachers that and the schools that put in so much hard effort to to allow these kind of results to come forward. All oh, right. that's lovely, obviously. But no. it really is, mostly all of this is down to Vina and her amazing work. Mm, mm, fantastic. So, so I mean, Vina, just very quickly, what, what is the secret? What, what is uh, the kind of advice that you would give to other students who are listening to the show? So my advice will be to never, never give up and always try your best because then you will see the result and you will be happy.
That's my love. So just just try your best and and and, and work hard uh, and never give up. Yeah. F- fantastic, right? And, and with regards to your plans going forward, what's the plan? So are, are, you, are you in? What, have, have I got it correct? In year eleven, so you're going to be doing the GCSEs yeah. this year. Is, is that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the, so that's in the pipeline. And what's next for you? What, what are you kind of thinking? So. Um, I plan to go to sixth form mm. and trying to do uh, to to be an architect. Ah, fantastic! So, yeah. Very, very good. And, and Miss Carrick, I mean the school. Uh, I mean yourself, of course. You've you've of course raised uh, you know this as, as a as a as a very positive uh, news and, and and a story. The the school itself must be very proud of of, of such an achievement and you know and and it's, it's something which is of course very positive for the school itself, not just for the individual and for the teacher. Yeah, we're incredibly proud of her. I'm incredibly proud of her, and Mr. Hobbs, the principal, definitely is, and Mrs. Morley, her head of year. Um, it's just really an incredible story, and her mm. her progress is exceptional. And so, it was an absolute pleasure to be able to nominate her for an award. Fantastic. And I mean, generally speaking, I mean, especially you know, for for anyone who's coming, uh, you know, for to a foreign country, uh, you know, and, and you know, at the age of about what fourteen or fifteen, Vina was when she when she came over to to to, to the UK. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the probability of of of, a, of an individual struggling is very very high. I mean, the odds are stacked up against you, right? So it must be very mm-hmm. difficult as a school, as a teacher, to try to then you know embrace and kind of uh, you know you know take on uh, su- su- such a challenge from a teaching perspective. And, and you you probably have. Uh, loads of students that are, you know, and, and, and this scenario repeated a number of times. How, how do you cope with that kind of challenge, Miss Carrick? Well, at the school, we've got really excellent provision for EAL students because we do have quite a number of them. Um, and we do lots of staff training on how to develop resources so that they can be easily understood by people with different levels of language ability. Um, but when you've got students like Vina who come and are just so quick at learning it makes it far easier Mm. but i think the power of teenagers to be able to pick up a new language when they're fully immersed in it is quite you'd be quite surprised anyway um but yeah venus was incredibly quick and her ability to apply that to english literature was doubly impressive but all of our eal students at emmanuel are incredible in the way that they're able to just kind of embed themselves into lessons in a second language and it really does blow me away quite regularly wow and el is just just part of my ignorance what what does what does that actually represent oh sorry english as an additional language okay english as an additional language and out of the the students i mean what kind of proportion or kind of percentage of students are you know from the el kind of category Oh, now you've caught me on the spot on that one. So, um, because there's differing levels, there are some students who come to the country um, within their secondary school years, some may have come primary school year, and somewhere they they were born here, but perhaps English isn't spoken at home. Mm. So there's lots of differing levels within that, but there's quite a high proportion who speak more than one language at Emmanuel. Right, right, fantastic. And and, uh, in terms of the Nottingham Post Education Award, so so what what, what is that then? Is, is, Is that something part and parcel of, of the school itself or is that at a, at a county or a council level? 
So the Nottingham Post is our local newspaper, right. and they do yearly education awards where right. students and teachers can be nominated for awards. Right. Um, and so I nominated Vina, and the newspaper were, wanted to run some stories on some right. of the standout right. candidates that had right. been nominated, and okay. so they picked up Vina's nomination. Right. So I believe the awards are in December. Right, right. Fantastic. I mean, that, that's a very good initiative. Uh, you know, uh, contrary to what I was saying earlier, that you know our teachers and our and our schools are not called out as well as as well as as, as they ought to be. To be honest with you, in terms of it's a very very mm-hmm. you know not the easiest of professions, right? Uh, and and it has its challenges, you know, for more than one reasons. Uh, not always the best paid you know opportunities to necessarily right. So we see a lot of cuts when it comes to schooling and, and teaching and, and and the likes, right? Uh, but yeah, it's such a very hard task, right? Uh, uh, so really, really appreciate that, uh, and it's good that the the Nottingham Post is uh, is running such a, a, a local initiative. You know, a fantastic initiative to actually yeah. call that out. That, that that's fantastic. And uh, Vina, your parents must be really, really proud of you. What what's yes, been the feedback? For, what what's been the feedback from the community? Well, they they were really happy, and yeah. we just did a little party at home. So. To just to celebrate and um, in family, that was really fun. That, that's great. I I hope you called a miss a miss Karen to that party. Party. <laughs> 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 All right, fantastic. Uh, okay, I mean I mean it's a very 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 positive story, and like I say, I mean it was my my, my sister actually forwarded the story to me, so I thought yeah, why don't we cover this story? And she actually happens to live in in the same area as uh, as yourself, you know, in, in the meadows, I believe. Uh, so I thought let, let's cover it. But uh, once again, Vina, I want to congratulate you. Thank uh, you know, great, well done, a great achievement. Uh, and also, Miss Carrick, I want to also you know congratulate you as uh, as the teacher of the student and the school itself. Uh, well done, great achievement, and uh, I think it's a very positive story uh, to help inspire a lot of other, whether it is the EAL you know kind of category of students or, or just general students, uh, you know, to achieve and to you know to work at it, especially at this particular time of the year when I, I guess we're fast approaching the kind of uh, the mock examination season uh, which is uh, i think pre-christmas yeah. or just after christmas isn't it uh and, and then uh, end of year exams is it next week is it yep yep right wow so okay so plenty of revision to do uh, on on that note you know vina and uh, miss Carrick, thank you very much for your time this evening and thank you very much for joining us on friday night live thank you thank you very much thanks all right thank you thanks vina. thanks miss thank bye bye Right, so that was a, a positive story that we were covering with a, uh, a student and, and teacher, Vina Muhammad, who is the, the gifted teenager uh, out of Nottingham, and her teacher, uh, Miss Carrick, who's the school teacher. And, and again, a fantastic story, something for us to reflect upon. And, and a lot, a, a lot of our, a lot of my listeners will. Uh, you know, I want to. You know, a lot of our young listeners out there who are probably preparing to, for the for the mock exams, and uh, so some of them, I, I didn't know the mock exams are so early as as early as next week, right? In this particular instance, uh, but a positive story, right? Couldn't speak English a year ago, and already achieving, you know, top grades in an English language one year on, right? Uh, I asked her the question, "What is the secret behind the story?" And the secret is hard work hard work applying uh, applying yourself putting yourself and uh, really just hard work hard work and, and i think majority of the people that if you ask the question in fact did i not read a quotation from uh, ronaldo was it 
or was it Messi? A couple of days ago, someone sent me a quote saying, what is the secret behind your overnight success? And he said, 17 years and so many, you know, days and so, you know, so many months and, and so many days, right? There is no such thing as overnight success. It takes 17 years, 18 years to achieve those particular targets. It takes two years, one year, three years of, of hard work to achieve those particular goals. We may see a successful individual, a successful figure, but what we don't see is the 20 years that have gone behind it to allow that person to achieve the results that they've achieved. And I think that's the key point that we need to remember. Right, folks, we are coming towards uh, the end of the first hour. And before I continue, you know, before we go into the commercial break, we've still got a good good few minutes to go. I just want to get some social media messages in that have been coming in on our lead story. And I, and I did and I did believe and I did think that it's going to be it's probably going to trigger quite a few calls and a, quite a few social media messages. And I indeed I was right, at least from a social media messages perspective. Jazakallah Heron to Sawa, Jazakallah Heron to Brother Asif, who's just sent in another message. Uh, Assalamualaikum. I can't believe what that politician was talking about, and we always have such individuals. All right, so I'm just going to paraphrase your 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 message. Uh, BMP and EDL don't go around destroying places of worship. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. That you know. And that was my point with regards to democracy in India. Has it failed? Is it failing its minorities? And a bigger question is even in Europe, we're seeing a lot of the minorities being, you know, being, being let down. A lot of minorities, you know, being, you know, not, you know, represented in these societies. Is that democracy failing? Right? Or is that just inevitable and you're always going to have bad apples? Because I think that was the argument from Suleiman Khurshid. And, and, and I must point out that he is a member, he is a member of parliament, I believe. He belongs to the Indian National Congress. Okay, hang on. He may not be a member of parliament. It's not a clip. In fact, okay, he may, he may be. Uh, Indian National Congress, he is an Indian politician, suggests to me that he is an active member of parliament. That's the question that I'm uh, raising, whether he's an active member or he was an active member of the Indian National Congress, an Indian politician. And that's the point he's raising, that India is a democracy like any other democracy. It just has a few bad apples and it has to deal with the problem. Right, listeners, your thoughts on the first two stories that we've covered this evening. Of course, Barbary Masjid. Barbary Masjid was the leading story that we were covering earlier. I've got a couple of quote, quotes that I want to share with you this evening because, of course, the, the Indian community, as any community in any country around the world, is not a homogeneous community and it has difference of opinions in, in that particular community. This individual that we were speaking to was from the National Indian National Congress and he has express his uh, his thoughts the all india muslim personal law board a bit of a mouthful all india muslim personnel law board uh, a body of top islamic clerics said that the judgment has that the judgment has not served justice Right, that the judgment has not served justice. Indian Muslim organizations have expressed disappointment at the decision of the Supreme Court to hand over the site of the Barbary Masjid. 
right? Uh, and of course, I was reading earlier, Ramesh, uh, an individual who gave credit to the Muslim community in Pakistan for conserving the Gunj Gurdwara and not conveying it into a mosque. A number of different quotations here. Very, very interesting to see them. Right. Another statement in the board expressed surprise that the court accepted all of the effort. In fact, that the court accepted all the evidence put forward by Muslims, but still handed over the land of. Bab okay, I mean that's incredible. Uh, you know, you know, brother Asif, you know, Sawa, if you if you're still listening, in a statement, the board, and this is of course the board of the. Uh, I believe the board of the All India Muslim Personal Law Board, right? So some kind of a legal body, but ap apparently it's a, a body of top Islamic clerics. So I, I need to figure that one out. Uh, but anyway, they expressed surprise. The court it accepted all the evidence that was put forward by the Muslims, but yet it still handed over the land of the Babri Masjid to the Hindus to build a, a, a temple there. I, I don't get that. I don't get that. I'm sorry. Okay, and it describes the attitude of the court as painful, right? There's the senior lawyer, Zafariyab Jilani, who represented the Muslim body in the court, said neither equity nor justice had been served, right? All right, and, and this is quite incredible, very, very quite incredible in terms of what I'm reading. Jamaat Islami Hind, India, who expressed dissatisfaction with the judgment. However, it also appealed to the people of the country to honor the judgment, respect the law, and maintain communal harmony. Uh, the spokesman for Babri Mosque Action Committee, Sayyid Qasim Rasul Ilyas, Ilyas said that the Muslim community cannot welcome the judgment. And he said, if you dig up any old structure, you will surely find some ancient relic under that structure. Makes sense, right? Uh, and so this is not proof of a mandir under the Babri Masjid. And let me make it clear, the Supreme Court did not say the Babri Masjid was built by destroying a mandir. So, I mean, all evidence to me points towards, you know, the case of the Muslims and the case for the Babri Masjid to be reinstated. But again, the Supreme Court has ruled elsewhere or otherwise, and therefore the Muslims are forced almost to accept that judgment. But anyway, that was our leading story that we were covering earlier. And then, of course, after that, we were covering the story of the gifted teenager, uh, out in Nottingham, who's been achieving some fantastic results uh, only after a year being in Nottingham and in the UK. We are going to be going into a commercial break, but if you want to share any of your thoughts, any of your comments, any of your suggestions, any of your uh, emotions on, on this em story that we've covered er earlier, 01582481822, 01582481822. I mean, for me, it's something that I just can't get away with is what is the kind of signal that that sends to any any right-wing movement, any right-wing movement, when you can go with a, a bunch of 100 or 200 or 300, you know, mobs, you know, strong mob, and go and destroy any place of worship. I mean, that is just incredible. And surely the right of any democracy is to protect its minorities, protect its minority. And the news items that are coming out of India really don't give me any confidence that those minorities are being protected in India. And I know some of you may comment and may you know, send in some messages that that's happening across Europe at the moment. Hmm, interesting. Right, but I but I can't say that, and I'm not going to say that. I want to hear your thoughts. 01582 481 8 
Right, we're going to be going into commercial break. When we come back, did you know that it's currently the Islamophobia Awareness Month? Islamophobia Awareness Month, right? So are you are you aware of it, just out of interest? And I wonder if any of the massages are actually doing anything on, with regards to Islamophobia, right? Uh, because Islamophobia, as we all know, and we've been covering it for a number of time, for a number of, you know, uh, on a number of occasions. Let me get my English right. On a number of occasions, we've been covering this story because the statistics are showing that the problem is getting bigger. The problem is getting bigger. The problem is not going away. So we're going to be asking the question, what is this Islamophobia Awareness Month all about? What is it, what is it seeking to achieve? What are the styles and means it's using? What is the root cause analysis? What is the root cause of Islamophobia and what can be done about it? So we're going to be discussing that when we come back from the commercial break. Don't go away. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts whether this is a genuine issue that is actually being dealt with genuinely or is it just a very disingenuous statements that are being made with regards to Islamophobia when it comes to real action. Unfortunately, there's nothing to be seen. That's what we're going to be covering when we come back from the commercial break. Don't go away. 01582-481-8220-779-481-822. You are with me, Hafiz Shaban, on Friday Night Live. We'll be back until a few, we'll be back in a few minutes. Until then, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban on Inspire FM 105.1 FM. Beaming to the good people of Luton and surrounding areas nationally via Inspire FM app and of course live Facebook stream 01582 01582481822. 01582481822 0779481822 are the number here in the studio to speak to me direct or to leave your SMS or your WhatsApp messages, social media messages. Feel free to use any medium that you choose to um, you choose more co- is more comfortable for you. But we are going to be moving on to the next story. Just a quick summary: we did be, we were covering earlier the 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 verdict on the, the Indian Supreme Court verdict on the Barbary Masjid case, uh, and then we were speaking to a gifted, talented uh, teenager who couldn't speak English uh, a year ago, but uh, apparently now is getting top grades in a school based out of Nottingham, and it was a very positive story we were covering earlier uh, but we are going to go moving on to the next story now we're going to be going on to an, a, a slightly different story moving away from the positive theme to unfortunately a, a bit of a negative story but p- perhaps uh, uh, some element of glimmer of hope in this story and that's uh, when we're talking about or we're coming to on, on to uh, islamophobia now if you uh, so some of my listeners they, they may ask the question islamophobia what is islamophobia but i hope they don't ask that question because the reason why i say that is because it's become such a common uh, common issue now that a lot of us are familiar with the term islamophobia and, we, and a lot of us unfortunately unfortunately have experienced you know the 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 raw fruits of islamophobia i mean uh, just a curse research in google on islamophobia 
I mean, the, the statistics that come out and the headlines that come out are incredible, are incredible. Uh, I mean, you know, a, a, a top hit that I get is Islamophobia is thriving in all parts of British society. I mean, that's, that's quite incredible. It's almost as if it's positive. It's almost as if it's a positive story, thriving, but of course not in a positive sense, but in a very negative sense that I, it's everywhere in British society. Religious hate crimes rise 40%, Islamophobia hate crime, you know, and you got a number of stories, record number of anti-Muslim attacks reported in UK last year. Anti-Muslim hate crimes saw in the UK after Christchurch shootings. Hate crime in London saw. I mean, I mean, the list just continues, and it's just becoming ridiculous, right? Now, there's a, a very positive initiative, and, and a lot of positive headlines that I've I've seen over the last couple of days, and that's with regards to raising awareness and challenging this head on right and that's islamophobia awareness month 2019 that's been launched or it was launched last week on the 8th of november 2019 by the organization mend right so i've got a couple of people on the line who are going to hopefully be briefing us and giving us a bit of background a bit of current context and and, and giving us exactly you know the, uh, what's happening and, and uh, what are the, the kind of initiatives that are happening up and down the country to address this menace uh, firstly let me introduce Mohammed Shoaib uh, who I believe is the London Regional Manager for MEND uh, is that correct Mohammed uh, Shoaib? Yes, alaikum. Wa alaikum thank, you as as thank you very much for your time this evening, Mohammed Shoaib. Uh, and thank you very much for joining us on Friday Night Live, firstly. We've also got, uh, I believe, is is it Kerry uh, Bullivant or is it Kaleem? Either, um, but yeah, Kaleem okay. normally myself. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so Kaleem uh, Bullivant, okay, from Cage, yeah, Cage spokesman. So, Salaam uh, Kerry, and, and welcome to Friday Night Live again. Uh, once again, right. Uh, all right, so, so I've just given a quick introduction, uh, gentlemen, right, on Islamophobia and some of the headlines that we're seeing currently in the context of Islamophobia, right? Before we start getting into a deep dive on Islamophobia, elections are rife. We've seen a couple of days of election campaigning now becoming official. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some dirty comments with regards to Islam and the, and the Muslim community. We've seen that historically. It's been the cause of a lot of, a lot of this backlash that we tend to see at the moment, right? And then I saw another headline not too long ago uh, with regards to the Tory party. Yeah, that's right. The Tory party backing away from its pledge to hold an Islamophobia inquiry. Doesn't read positively, does it, Mohammed Shoaib? No, no, it doesn't. Um, and that's something that actually as an organization, MEND, we are looking into at the moment is the Islamophobia, uh, which is rife within the Conservative Party. Mm. Um, and it's, it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. You know, it can't be in this day and age that we have the government uh, of today uh, that have so, so much issue with Islamophobia within their own party. Um, and I think that is what is really driving a lot of the uh, Muslims um, who want to come out and vote in this election. A lot of this talk about Islamophobia and especially the fact that we're seeing it in today's government. Yeah. Um, this is one of the main reasons why Muslims are actually 
starting to become very active when it comes to the election time. Oh, you, you, you think it's having a, a, a kind of a reverse effect and people are becoming active when the parties that they actually should be represent or should be representing them are, are, are thinking so negatively about them, right? That's an interesting thought, but let's hold it there. I, I want to actually go into a, a bit of a root cause analysis here, uh, K- uh, Kaleem, uh, Kaleem if, if we may, right? Where is this all problem stemming mm-hmm. from? Because if, if I'm, if I'm if, you know, it's not the first time I'm, in, I'm discussing Islamophobia on the radio station. It's not the first time I'm hearing about Islamophobia and the, the year on year statistics. I mean, if this was a if this was a corporate, right? And if this if, if these were my PL statistics, right? I mean, I'd be showing a you know a very you know a chart going right up there, right? Because on year on year we're seeing growth and negative growth in terms of you know when it comes to Islamophobia and the attacks against the Muslim communities. So we're doing awfully bad when it comes to trying to address this problem of Islamophobia. What is the root cause analysis? You know, from a cage perspective, when it comes to Islamophobia? Unfortunately, what we've seen time and again over the last few years is institutionalized racism constantly mm. dehumanizing Muslims. Now, whether that's Boris Johnson referring to the uh, Muslim women as letterboxes um, or actual government policies like prevent the securitized approach to even dealing with Muslim children as young as uh, four years old, we constantly see this dehumanization in the media, um, in our politics, in, in the discourse. And when people are seen as less than human, when they're not given the, the same value as everybody else, hmm. suddenly what you have is a, is a situation where for somebody to, to shout something at a sister while she's walking down the road or to, or to pull her hijab off hmm. becomes an easier thing because they're not seeing the person behind the hijab or they're not seeing the person who they're attacking. Mm. They're merely seeing um, a, 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 a thing, a Muslim, um, mm. and not a human being who is going to have a reaction and feel something at the at, as a result of those actions. Mm. I mean, let, let, let me give you a quote here from The Independent. Anti-Muslim prejudice is concentrated amongst those who see immigration and multiculturalism most negatively, most likely amongst white people who have lower levels of education. But of course, it continues and then starts talking about middle-class Islam, Islamophobia too, right? But I mean, this stuff that you know, I mean, just to go back to that quote, who see immigration, who see multiculturalism most negatively. I mean, that vibe is most clearly coming from these politicians who are anti-immigration and and so on and so forth. So they really bear the brunt and responsibility of this hype of Islamophobia. Is is that not correct? Uh, we saw with the uh, with the Brexit debate, mm. um, clear, clear Islamophobia. One of the main um, attacks that um, both parts of the Leave campaign, Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage, were using was this fear that Turkey uh, were mm. going to join uh, the EU and that there, there would be millions more Muslims able to come to come to the UK. Um, and this is this is something that's uh, been now a common theme um, to, to use Muslims to scaremonger, mm. um, and unfortunately, it's not just um, sort of like working class white people. Mm. Um, so, uh, uh, Said uh, Avasi um, uh, coined the term that uh, Islamophobia has passed the the dinner table test. Yes, um, it's a safe topic of discussion um, to talk about 
what's wrong with the, the savages mm. um, while you're at your, your dinner parties um, in, in middle and upper class um, yeah. society as well. Right, right. Uh, agreed. Right, I want to go back to Mohammed Shoaib, right? So we've got, you know, polar, you know, you know the, the the election campaign fever, you know, which is getting, uh, you know, to its, uh, you know, uh, highest point is obviously building up over the next couple of days and, and, and weeks, right? And these are the same parties that now, you know, you know, Kaleem is discussing and, and, and who are at the forefront and at the bedrock of actually creating a lot of this, if not all of this hype of Islamophobia, you know, targeting the, the, the Muslim community itself. I mean, it's, it doesn't really lend much in terms of confidence in, in these political parties, does it? I mean, it doesn't give much much of a confidence to me as an individual to say, you know what, Conservative Party is a party for the Muslims or the Labour Party is a party for the Muslims because they, they had the root cause analysis by the sounds of it, for, you know, for the institutional, the government policy and the dehumanization of the Muslims and, and the rise of Islamophobia, right? And it seems that, the uh, uh, you know, we're doing fantastic work in terms of raising awareness about Islam, but that for me is a symptom or a reaction and it's not quite treating the problem in it, from its root cause. What are your thoughts, Mohammed Shaykh? Yeah, I mean, so the fact that you said, you know, it doesn't seem like a certain party would be the party which Muslims would vote for, I think just on that point, um, as a community, we need to start moving away from identity politics and looking towards more issue-based politics. Mm. So yeah. looking at specific issues and which parties are actually representing the issues which matter to the Muslims, rather than saying that, oh, the Labour Party or the Conservative Party look like they're more Muslim-friendly, we yeah. should be looking at which policies are they actually going to put forward. My question wasn't about who should we vote for and who shouldn't we vote for. My, 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 my point is that it doesn't give confidence, right, to the Muslim community when these mainstream parties are the root cause of the Islam Islamophobia that we're seeing today. How do we address that problem? That's the question that I'm asking. Not the question of okay, you know, you know, let's look at you know issue-based, you know, voting rather than uh, the party identity-based uh, voting. How do we address that? I mean, you got the Conservative Party. The Muslim community have been asking for an Islamophobia inquiry for a very, very long time. The Tories have, so, uh, at least I, I believe, at one point pledged to hold an inquiry. Now we see the Tories backtrack. It's yeah. back on the back burner again. Yeah. Um, so yes, it does. It does give us kind of less confidence in trying to understand whether you know the concerns of the Muslims will definitely be met. Uh, mm. But this is where the Muslim community need to uh, realize that the power we have a lot of power in our hands when it mm. comes to actually wanting to change things. Right. Um, and this is where we should be able to view uh, the situation of politics today in this country and see that okay, there is a serious problem here. We don't have confidence yeah. in what these parties are telling us no matter which one we vote for, yeah. so we need to make sure we get out of this church so that yeah. they're responding to us rather than us responding to them. All right. Okay. All right. Fair, fair enough. All right. Uh, uh, Kaleem, uh, Brother Kaleem, okay. Uh, uh, all right. So, so institutional uh, government policies like prevent Schedule 7, we, we've seen all of this. We've seen the dehumanization. We've seen all of these comments from the, these lead politicians, right? Uh, so we've got this campaign now to to raise awareness about islamophobia uh you know tell us tell, tell me more and tell, tell my listeners more about this particular campaign i mean are, are you involved in this campaign or is that more of a amend initiative so uh, as far as i'm aware uh 
it's some phobia awareness month was set up by men and and, and right. they've been taking the lead on this okay um and we as as sage we support like this the the need for awareness yeah. on the subject yeah um because uh as as your uh, other, other guests uh, rightly pointed out we need to be aware of what's going on and mm. and who's actually looking to take steps to 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 deal with it mm. um the problem is it's this is actually one of the first times where there's clear blue water between uh, the, the the Tories and the uh, and the and Labour um, on these issues. Hmm. Um, whereas for too long, it was actually the the Labour Party were as, as complicit in this as the as the Tory Party were. Um, but that seems to have changed somewhat under Corbyn. All right. Okay. All right, fine. All right, so Mohammed Shaib, uh, Islamic, uh, you know, the Islamophobia Awareness Week, right? Or not the Awareness Week, sorry, it's an Awareness yeah. Month. I'm, I'm going back to my university days when I was accustomed to Islamic Awareness Weeks, right? Uh, but but I've looked at I've looked at the, the 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 kind of events that are happening. So it's it's like a, it's more or more or less a national in, in incentive. Tell us tell tell our listeners more about the Islamophobia Awareness Month and you know what is it seeking to achieve. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's a campaign that started a couple of years ago, not just with men, but with other kind of um, UK-based Muslim organisations. Right. Um, and the objective behind that is very similar to if I told the listeners, if you think about Black History Month, yeah. the objectives are very similar. It's about yeah. looking at a community that has been discriminated throughout history and giving a part to that community say these are the issues that we're facing and everybody should understand that these are not just Muslim issues but it's a human issue and no. also here's a chance for the Muslim community to say these are the achievements that we have made and we're part of these achievements as well. Yeah. Um, so it gives the chance for everybody to be aware about Muslims, about the issues that we face and anybody can take part. I mean, it, it, this year it, it's grown really big. There's about over 150 events organized just by men across the country. But oh. there's a whole host of events happening outside of men. People are actually going to some for the worst month. And that's how it should be. It shouldn't be tied down towards a specific organization. Mm. So if somebody's listening and they want to do something for this month, they can just go ahead and do it. Right. So, so I, I, I get that. It sounds, sounds positive. Sounds good. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I, there's a side of me or there's, there's a part of me that almost feels that this is a bit of a reactionary or, or a bit of a passive thing. I mean, when you, when you equate it to the Black History Month, right? Uh, you, you know, it's almost that, you know, we've, we've been the victims in society. We've been victims for, for a number of years. This is who we are. This is what we've done in the past. It's almost like we're trying to justify our position, whereas we're not trying to get on the, are we not trying to get on the front foot to say, look, guys this is Islam this is who the Muslims are and and the, all of these allegations and all of this scaremongering and all of these policies and all this institution racism is really you know you know is the government or, or, or these are the individuals that are yeah. the, the cause of it and, and and really you know rebutting those kind of you know policies and, and those kind of initiatives and, and those people who are the perpetrators yeah. of that is, is there an element of that too yeah. involved yeah, yeah. So we do get we do get that question a lot, and, and and the way I usually respond is saying that is why we've called this month Islamophobia Awareness Month rather right. than Islam Awareness or Islamic History Awareness Month. Right. It's the fact that we're going ahead with that title to let people know this is what Islamophobia is, right. and part of that Islamophobia Awareness Month is to give some understanding of the positive contributions of Muslims. But generally, as a whole, we're talking about the issues that Muslims are facing. Yeah. We're calling out 
the, the different institutes which are promoting Islamophobia and we're making sure that Muslims, non-Muslims, everyone really does understand where this discrimination is coming from and how best they can tackle it. Mm, mm. All right, uh, good. Uh, so so what, what is the, the, okay, so it's open to, you know, uh, the, the, the whole community, Muslim, non-Muslim, or, or of course, uh, primarily, I, I guess, non-Muslim, really, if we're targeting Islamophobia awareness. I mean, uh, of, of course, uh, it's also going to be uh, involved Muslims. So a proactive, positive message. So so what is, how can the community get involved, uh, Mohammed Shaib? Yes, so there's uh, a number of different things people can do. Um, when it comes... Uh, uh, to a very minimalist type of uh, thing that people can get involved in this month. It's about just being aware yourself. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of the Muslim community themselves don't know what Islamophobia is and what are the ways that they can tackle it. So a very, very minimal thing that, that everyone can do is visit the men's website or just keep up to date with any of the articles you're seeing coming out about Islamophobia and mm. just keeping yourself up to date and aware about that. If you're somebody who wants to take a more active stance, then there are a whole host of things you can do. You can visit the men's website and see all the resources you can hire, like exhibitions, you can download publications, you can invite speakers for men to come to your local masjid or community center. Um, and, and, and we can we can do do a lot of different talks uh, yeah. on different yeah. aspects of Islamophobia. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't want to do it with men, then you can definitely take on your own kind of initiative yeah. uh, by organizing some sort of awareness event that your local community can be involved in. Yeah, I, I mean, as individuals, as a community, I mean, really, isn't it, uh, Kaleem, uh, more about opening up your doors and to, to the, you know, the indigenous community, to the non-Muslim community, you know, welcome coming them in essence we're talking about Dao of Islam who we are as Muslims Islam and the community and really breaking down breaking down those stereotypes that do exist through these institutions through media and so on and so forth isn't that in, in essence what we're saying uh, Kaleem so I can say Alhamdulillah like I, I took my Shahada about uh, almost 16 years ago now so I'm a bit of an old old old, old hat but yeah I said this since the beginning like the most important part of Dawa is actually just getting out and 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 living and representing the dean through your actions yeah. it's not necessarily about having the greatest arguments or yes. or understanding the 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 debating points from these sorts of youtube videos yeah. it's actually about going out and living and expressing and showing um, what Islam does to us and how it affects our character. Hmm. And our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said that uh, I have not come except to perfect good character. Hmm. And actually when you show that sort of good character, when you uh, live that and embody is Islam's ideals, hmm. um, it's one of the most powerful ways to combat Islamophobia as well. Hmm. Um, because people start to, again, as I said, see you as a human being, yeah. understand who and what we are. Hmm. Um, I think one of the things that we we have to be sort of careful of and I, I agree we need to sort of humanize ourselves we need people to understand our, our achievements but as well um uh, uh there's a, a very good uh poet uh Khan, Mansour Khan and she makes a good point in a in a, in one of her poems hmm. that um look we're, we're British they should love us when we're when we're failing, they should love us when we're on job seekers, they should love us when we're poorly. Right, um, right. And we, if we need to prove our humanity constantly to other people, yeah. then perhaps it's not us that are lacking the humanity. 
Mm. Um, maybe it's the people that we constantly need to prove it to mm. um, that seem to be lacking in in basic humanity. Yeah, yeah, uh, a, a very, a very good point. I mean, uh, earlier I was discussing on, on on the case of Babri Masjid in, in India, and and the, and, and the Indian democracy and failing its minority. I mean, almost to, to you know, some people would argue that you know, a, a democracy and and uh, the kind of muscular liberalism, as as some people have coined it, is unable to actually deal with you know other beliefs and and. and other ways of life and the only way it sees it is to actually force down its own values and, and principles on others and those that have got their own values you know it refuses to accept that or to 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 be you know and it's incapable of being the melting pot that islam has been for 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 people of other faiths mm. alhamdulillah one of the beauties of islam is that for 1400 years it actually created genuine um, uh, multiculturalism and diversity mm. and, and, and freedom of expression and religion, mashallah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Muhammad Shaheb, so uh, events happening nationally. Well, what's the. I'm just reading a quotation here from. Uh, as uh, what is it? I mean, I think Azad used to be from from uh, men, but he's not. He's now communities relations director for Cage, I believe. Uh, three pieces of advice yeah. to tackle Islamophobia: understand the oppression, self-confirmed identity, who uh, know who we are, you are, and do not allow our oppressor to set the parameters. Uh, expand upon that a bit, if you if you may. What does that mean for the layman? Yeah, I mean, that was a quote that was taken from our Islamophobia Awareness Month launch. Yeah. And what Azad is uh, basically saying is that us ourselves, we need to understand what our relationship is uh, between us and the oppressors. Mm. And really get to grips with that. Understand that um, we have our own identity and we, we are firm in that identity as Muslims. And we don't need to pander to any other type of... Uh, Islamic or Muslim identity that is being shown to us to be yeah. the good version. Yeah. And so as it is basically saying, be, be firm in that and understand that it's the oppressors that are trying to give us this other type of identity. Mm. And we should be firm in saying, no, we believe what we believe and you will accept us as who we are. All right. All right. Okay. All right, gents. I mean, unfortunately, we're gonna we're gonna go into a commercial break in in about a minute. I mean, I, I did have a, no, a number of other questions. I don't know if you're actually available uh, for a few more minutes after the commercial break. I'll, I'll get the producers to speak to you and confirm if you are. Inshallah. Otherwise, I would. Uh, Love to continue, but I mean, very quickly, I've got about 40 seconds. Uh, problem isn't getting better, it's getting worse. Current statistics are telling us that it's, it's the, the, the figures are going higher and higher. Uh, how, how do we really fundamentally ad address this it, it, very, very briefly, uh, Kaleem? So, at a fundamental level, there needs to be an entire change in the rhetoric and, and the way that we approach how we look at Muslims. Right. At the moment, Muslims are constantly looked at for a securitized lens through the lens of the war on terror. And until we can get beyond that, but beyond yeah. looking at Muslims as a, as a threat constantly, yeah. then we're going to constantly see this rise in uh, attacks on Muslims and, and rise in Islamophobia. Mm, fantastic. I, I think that that's very succinct and well put. Uh, Muhammad Shaheb and uh, Brother Kaleem, uh, thank you very much for your time this evening. Thank you very much for joining us. Unfortunately, we have run out of time and we're going to go into a commercial break. But great speaking to you and Jazakallah for your time this evening. Okay, listen, that was uh, Brother Kaleem. Uh, Bullivant uh, from Cage, who Cage spokesman, and we also had uh, Muhammad Shahab, 
who is the London Regional Manager for MEND. I'm going to try to consolidate some of those thoughts when I come back from the commercial break and then also, come, uh, also try to cover a couple of other news stories that have been making the headline. And we are now approaching fast the last half an hour of the show. We're going to go into a commercial break. 015824812. I want to speak to someone. Call in. Speak to me. 0779481822 for your social media messages. I'll pick those up immediately after the break. Until then, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban, on this uh, Friday evening on the 15th of November 2019. It is now 19.32 according to my laptop, but 19.30 according to the clock in the studio. Either of the way. Uh, we are, of course, broadcasting live from Inspire FM Studio 105.1 FM uh, and also broadcasting to our sister stations nationally. Uh, and also broadcasting, of course, on the Inspire FM app. Uh, and the last but not least, via the Facebook stream or live online. Last half an hour, opportunity, last opportunity to get involved in today's any of today's dis- uh, topics that we've been discussing and, and, and debating. 01582, 01582481822 is the number here in the studio. Try to let's see if we can get someone to speak to me direct with some of those thoughts and those opinions. Otherwise, zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two for your social media messages this evening. Right, I want to jazakallah here to uh, Muhammad Shoaib from uh, Mend London Regional Manager, and we also had. Uh, uh, brother Kaleem uh, Bullivant, uh, who is the cage spokesman, you know, shedding some light on a very important topic, very, very important topic. Uh, last half an hour we were discussing this, and it's Islamophobia. Now, you know, I, I, I don't know to what extent, you know, our listeners, you know, follow some of these news stories. Inshallah, I, I believe that they, they do. We, we're all familiar. I mean, the, 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 the world is a global village, as they say today, right? Uh, so we, we can't get away from you know seeing the headlines seeing the attacks seeing the the discrimination uh hearing the remarks hearing the the, the comments with regards to the sometimes the, the muslim community segments of the community and so on and so forth uh, and islamophobia you know is one of those issues that we have seen a stark rise over the last couple of years uh, so this islamophobia awareness month is a very important initiative right some it's an initiative that we definitely need to be involved in uh, aware of and trying to support uh, and as as the brother was saying earlier the, the best initiative and the best way to actually address that is through ourselves as individuals through ourselves as a, as a, as a part of the muslim faith islamic community you know and, and reaching out being examples of islam being examples of, of muslims and i completely you know subscribe to that thought by brother Kerry, who was saying you know he came to the dean 16 years ago and for him the most important aspect is you know live your life as muslims you know proper what it means to be a muslim and let the community around you see you and see Islam. And when they see Islam and when they see the beauty of Islam, you know, that in itself 
is a is a is a powerful means of dawah and there is no doubt about it but at the same time at the same time we are dealing with an institution we are dealing with institutions let me use the plural we're de we're dealing with uh, you know uh, you know uh, you know consecutive government policies which are you know you know almost black you know almost primarily there against the, the Muslim community. We're dealing with the likes of, you know, prevent, schedule seven, anti-draconian, anti-terrorism, so-called draconian legislation. We're seeing dehumanization. We're seeing some very, very derogatory, demeaning comments against the Muslim faith, against Muslims who practice in the faith and elements of the faith and all of that in, a, in an environment which is very hostile, of course, gives rise to such behavior and action. And that's always been my point. My point has been politicians need to take the, you know, need to take accountability, need to take responsibility. Right. Media needs to take responsibility. Media needs to take about accountability. We need to see a lot more positive, a lot more, you know, well, what is the word? You know, you know, accountable, right? Accountable, you know, media, accountable, you know, politicians who who can't just say anything and get away with it, right? You can't just get, say anything and get away with it because it has implications, it has repercussions. And my fear is we are early into this, you know, campaign, this po uh, political campaign, election campaign. We've got a couple of weeks left. 12th of December is the date for the elections, you know. What are those, some of those comments, you know, I hope we don't get any of those comments that really, you know, create that kind of negative atmosphere and a negative, you know, you know, it's almost like, you know, what's the word, using the events and using the community to score political points on the back end of it, right? So let, let's avoid and let's hope that we don't see any of that over the next couple of weeks. But, but saying that. The Conservative Party, other, other things that have been making headlines, Conservative Party has backtracked on its pledge to hold an inquiry into Islamophobia. So I think these are definitely some of these legitimate questions that need to be raised. Uh, apparently, apparently, instead, it will hold an inquiry into all types of racism. All types of racism. Okay. I mean, all types of racism is something which is not acceptable. Agreed. But Islamophobia is the one that's really at the bearing the brunt of it at the moment, wouldn't you say? And it's something that really needs, you know, an inquiry in its own right. And that was being discussed for a long time within the Conservative Party. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit surprised to see the Conservatives backtrack, or backtrack on that. Apparently Boris Johnson previously vowed to hold an inquiry into Islamophobia following accusations that scores of party members have been spreading hatred towards Muslims. But Mr. Javid told BBC's Andrew Marshall, we will have an inquiry into prejudice and it will absolutely mean looking into anti-Muslim hatred and making sure that our zero tolerance policy, absolute zero tolerance, is as effective as it can be and looking to see what other procedures we could have in place. Right, when I, when I hear that and when I read that, I mean, for a start, he could speak with his party leader and the current prime uh, prime minister, uh, Boris Johnson, and you know, and and some of the comments that he's made with regards to the Islamic community and the Muslim faith, right? I mean, he doesn't have to go very far, does he? And I'm a bit surprised he makes those comments, and yet his his own friend is making some very neg negative comments with regards to the Muslim community. But what what do you think? What what are your thoughts? I want to hear from you, our listeners. 
Right, some of the other stories that I want to cover uh, this evening, inshallah, as part of uh, other news items. I mean, you know, let, let me let me tell you earlier. Earlier, I was telling you that my sister, in fact, shared the positive story that we covered as a second story, and that was the gifted teenager in Nottingham. Great story that we covered earlier. But you know what? I really would like to hear from our listeners. If you've got a positive story, and unfortunately, it doesn't have to be a positive story. If there's a story that you want us to cover here, I inspire them. Why, why don't you write to us? Why don't you write to us? Why don't you send in your suggestions? That this is a hey, here's a story that ought to be covered as part of the Friday Night Live agenda, and we should be discussing it. Happy to, happy to get suggestions and thoughts from from our listeners, right? So if there's any stories that have caught your attention, you want us to be covering them. You know, feel free to share those with us, and we will cover those, right? So as I was saying earlier, Tories backtrack on pledge to hold Islamophobia inquiry. That's a that's an interesting story, especially after commitments that were being made. And of course, uh, Baroness Warsi has been asking for this and calling for this for a very long time. And the statistics are absolutely awful, absolutely awful. Statistics show that the people continue to see Muslims distinctly different from other religious groups and now hear these statistics and this is from the independent not too long ago not too long ago 18% of the public holding extremely negative views of Muslims 18% of the public right uh, okay uh, what, what else although there has been a small decrease in the number of people who consider Islam a serious threat to Western civilization from 44% down from 52% in July 2017 wow and a huge 31% of the population believe that Islam poses a threat to the British way of life only 32% believe that Islam uh, and the British way of life are compatible so you can see some of these very very alarming statistics and and the brother earlier quoted Barna Swarsi would have been good to speak to her and to get an update from her uh, maybe for next week's show inshallah but Barnas Warsi eight years ago. Now, I mean, this is not a recent phenomenon, is it? Eight years ago, Barnas Warsi declared that Islamophobia had passed the dinner table test in Britain, right? Dinner table test in Britain, which means you can have a go, right? Anti Muslim prejudice remains a huge problem in the UK, and that's the reality of it. And that's what we're discussing. How do we use the upcoming election campaigns, the hustlings? You know the hustings with uh, with some of these you know uh, wannabe politicians. How do we use that? How do we use that to raise this agenda of Islamophobia? Can we use that? I think this is something that we need to we need to consider. We need to think about, right? I want to hear your thoughts, right? I want to hear your thoughts, even even though we're not covering the election campaign this week right and i've got a bit of a surprise for you hopefully we're going to be covering it in a couple of weeks uh because the team inspire fm and the team at the friday night live are in the process of pulling together the candidates pulling together the candidates on a forum and hopefully i don't want to give it too much away but we're hoping to bring up a a, a special lineup of candidates and an opportunity to put questions directly to these candidates from all of the different parties so you will get an opportunity to raise your questions directly to them to so stay tuned for when and where the opportunity will be coming but hopefully i'm i'm, I'm reassured that it will be coming very very soon Right, 
other news stories making headlines. I mean, uh, Gaza's come back to uh, you know make the headlines uh, recently. I don't know if you've uh, followed it. You gotta you know dig for some of these news items, unfortunately, because they're not covered by the mainstream media. I mean, the Gaza Strip or simply Gaza. Uh, okay, is the the self-governing Palestinian territory on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and and of course we all know the suffering of the people of Palestine in Gaza. So I'm seeing these headlines: Israel Gaza ceasefire strained by rockets and airstrikes. Two hours ago, outdated intelligence, social media rumors behind. Israel's killing of Gaza family, astaghfirullah. Uh, 15 minutes ago, Gaza border communities councils announced end of emergency situation. So things like it seems like things have started to fire up in Gaza once again. Uh, and Al Jazeera is reporting that the Gaza ceasefire is under pressure after renewed Israeli air attacks. Truce between Islamic Jihad and Israel came into effect on Thursday morning after 34 Palestinians were killed in raids. Stuff. 34 Palestinians were killed in raids, right? So Israel's army said early on Friday it had launched fresh raids on targets linked to uh, some of the uh, uh, families in Gaza after it fired a number of rockets apparently into Israel. That That's a message that I'm getting in front of my uh, desktop alert here. The announcement by the Israeli military suggested that the ceasefire reportedly brokered by Egypt was breaking down and there is now fresh attacks. And again, another area, another region of the world where we're seeing huge amounts of suffering for decades on end. Ne and not and, and we're not seeing an end to it in sight so that's uh, another news story that's been making the headlines in gaza other not news stories that i've already covered is of course uh the tories backdrop on pledge to holy son of glory you know we covered that already uh, another uh, story muslim mcb mcb urges politicians to commit to muslim pledges ahead of elections now of course this is the election fever of course i'm seeing messages i'm seeing emails coming through i'm seeing social media messages come through all right the election of a generation i'm hearing wow the election of a generation right uh, all right so this is a, an email that i've seen earlier come out that all right the okay so so there's a number of items a part of this email but the under representation of the muslims in parliament empowering muslims to vote and most importantly why we must use our vote apparently that's one of the arguments that's been put forward um, I'm not too sure. What do you think? Do you have the confidence in the political system, in the political party? Do you see that they're one of the same thing? But I tell you, there was an interesting comment uh, by one of our earlier guests, which was to the effect of it's the first time that he's seen crystal blue waters between the Labour Party and the Conservative Party. Now, if I still had that that guest on the call, or I, I would have liked to ask him in what ways, in what areas he's seeing the crystal blue waters between one of the between Labour and Conservative. Because historically, a lot of people would argue that this is one of the same thing, one of the same thing. I don't know what you think, my listeners. Oh one five eight two four eight one eight double two. Oh one five eight two four eight one eight double two. Are you seeing a sharp distinction between the political parties? their agendas, their manifestos, their policies as they un as they reveal them day by day as we get closer and closer to the date of the 12th of December.
A lot of Muslim organizations are of course coming and uh, now appealing to the Muslims communities. Uh, MCB, of course, one of the umbrella organizations, is urging the politicians to commit to Muslim pledges. Now, what do often we find that these commitments to Muslim pledges are? You know, we, we see those commitments, but we don't see them materialize, do we? Maybe there may be a change ahead of the elections. Don't know, but anyway, let's look at what MCB is telling its constituency of massages. MCB of is calling on political parties and prospective candidates to commit to a set of pledges that would concern Muslim voters ahead of the general election. All right. So why don't you commit to a set of pledges that would concern the Muslim voters ahead of the general election? Now I can see, let me play the devil's advocate to this story, right? The devil's advocate would tell me that you got a number of Muslim politicians, you know, year in and year out. I think gradually we've seen a trend of the number increasing. But let me ask you, my listeners, the question. Are we seeing these voices representing the Muslim interests? Or are we seeing them just tow the party t the, t the party line? What are we seeing? And I tell you why I say that, right? Oh, I tell you why I say that because another news story that hit my got my attention was the Labour Party. Labour ditches Birmingham MP who supported Muslims over the LGBT protests. Right? So a Birmingham MP who supported Muslim anti LGBT teaching protesters has been rejected as a Labour candidate in the upcoming general election. Roger Godsiff was one of the city's longest serving MPs. Wow. Wow. One of the longest serving MPs, right, non-Muslim, stands up for the Muslim you know, parents who are very legally within their right protesting against a policy applied in their schools and this particular politician longest serving politician for the labor party who's been serving there for such a long time uh, commanded one of the safest labor seats in the city with a majority in excess of 33,000 was replaced what does that tell you what does that tell you when it comes to the politicians and the political parties. Mm. He seems to have paid for backing the protesters who are objected to the promotion of LGBT to young kids in a school in his constituency, according to a lot of the a lot of the people and according to FivePillarsUK.com. Here, yesterday's Labour. Well, this is yesterday, which is uh, some days ago, seventh uh, of November, I believe. This is from last week. Uh, the Labour's National Executive Committee sided with local activists who said Godsiff's support for protesters at Anderton Park Primary made his position untenable. Now that is surprising to me. Very, very surprising to me. Why would that make his position untenable? Why would that? Because surely the action of the local community is legal, right? Surely a politician, and especially a local politician for that area, he's allowed to side with a particular uh, view, uh, you know, point of view. And in this particular case, he's supporting the parents, but therefore, as a result of that, he's paying the price for backing the protesters, and he is now no longer the Labour candidate in the upcoming general elections. See, it's these kind of stories that sometimes raise question marks amongst a lot of the people.
Right, other couple of stories that have been making the headlines uh, this uh, week and I want to share those with you inshallah. Aid worker. Now this is another story that a lot of you might be familiar with because this is one of those stories where uh, 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 another Muslim, okay, uh, by the name of Tok Sharif, right, Tok Sharif, his real name, right, real name is Tokir Sharif, right, Tokir Sharif, now a story of Tokir Sharif is, he's been out in Syria for a very, very long time, he's a human rights worker based out in Syria, been out there for a number of years, well known to uh, some of the people from CAGE. I, I believe he's well known to Mozambique, who's an outreach director at CAGE, who says, and I quote, I have known Tokir Sharif since we first traveled together on an aid mission to Syria in 2012. So over seven years he's been there since. He's dedicated his life to helping the Syrian people, made great personal sacrifices, and as a result of those sacrifices, he's been stripped of his citizenship by the British government. Hmm. Now this is, goes back to those points that we were making earlier about government policy, institutional racism, government policy, where you know, if you happen to be, if you happen to be, and this has been an allegation in the past, as we saw in the case of uh, the other sister who was stripped of her citizenship too, if you happen to be of you know a non-indigenous background and then you are highly probable of being stripped of your citizenship by the government and that is what happened to uh, Tokir Sharif he's been in, in Syria since 2012 and in 2017 let me just get the news let me get the facts here correct so that I'm actually factually on safe sound ground in 2017 the Home Office removed his British citizenship Mm. saying it had secret intelligence and you believed it had links to some groups who were aligned with some some organizations and Mr. Sharif denies the links and he has called the decision unfair and racist now anyway the home officer says any decision to deprive someone of their citizenship was based on all available evidence he was apparently uh, requested to attend uh, a so-called okay in fact here, here you go uh, Tokir Sharif had said there is no chance of a fair trial in the partially secret Special Immigration Appeal Commission. So there's a, a special secret Immigration Appeal Commission courts uh, and he doesn't want to be a party of it. So he's rejected that uh, because that process only reinforces this oppression. And subhanAllah, he's also calling on all people facing a similar situation and especially lawyers to boycott the SIAC courts, which he says only serves as a rubber stamp to government decisions rather than a mechanism to deliver justice, right? So here you go, another Muslim who's been stripped of his British citizenship, right? Uh, and uh, he's refusing to, you know, go through the system, uh, this so-called special advocate system, right? Which he believes reinforces and it is an affront to justice and there's no way in the living daylights that he's going to be able to see any justice through that system he's got no confidence and hence he is re refuses to be part of that process but oh, subhanallah here we go we're seeing a number of these stories emerge uh, and it's an again is an injustice an injustice that needs to be challenged needs to be raised and i think that's exactly what's happening 
Right, so we are coming towards the end of the show, last couple of minutes. Uh, and uh, those were the news stories that I wanted to share with you, my listeners, on this evening. Uh, on the Friday, the 15th of November, inshallah ta'ala. Look out for the next couple of weeks. Uh, news stories that will be breaking uh, across the nationally. Of course, as the, the, ex- uh, the exam, sorry, as the election fever takes, grab, uh, takes grip. Uh, across the country i'm sure there's gonna be a number of stories that are emerging over the next couple of days and inshallah we will be covering those don't forget very quickly let's do a quick recap of the the stories that we have covered this evening uh, islamic uh, islamophobia awareness month a lot of events that are happening actually on the, on that on, on on that particular issue uh, and if you actually go to the mend website that is m-e-n-d m-e-n-d.org.uk uh, you can see uh, the number of events that have actually been launched uh, by by men, and they are national. You know, all the way from the north, from north in the Yorkshire, uh, through to the Midlands, uh, through to the south. Uh, you know, I, I definitely do recommend that you go along to one of these events, and and really, you know what, educate yourself with regards to islamophobia what is islamophobia in the context of brexit especially because we know that it's got a you know a, a, almost a synthetic connection with you know anti-immigration you know a multiculturalism you know all being thrown in the same basket and a lot of you know negativity towards the migrants multiculturalism ultimately you know the book gets thrown towards you know racism islamophobia all in the same pot so you know familiarize yourself with that and be aware of you know the campaigns and the initiatives that are going to be you know launched over the next couple of days and if there's something that catches your attention just share it with us and maybe we can make it into a story right uh, apart from that we were covering of course the barbary masjid earlier the 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 supreme court you know decision on barbary masjid that land has now been given over to the hindu community of india to raise a temple in the place of the barbary masjid that masjid which survived for 500 plus years uh, and now unfortunately there we are going to see that being replaced by a hindu temple but those are some of the stories that we covered this evening thank you very much for joining us thank you very much for those brothers and sisters who sent in their social media messages uh, it's always great to hear from our listeners inshallah we'll be back next week when we'll have a number of stories that we'll be covering next week inshallah do try to join in do try to get involved 01582 you'll be able to listen to the repeat of this show i believe tomorrow and also the podcast will be available in a couple of hours a time inshallah until next week assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at InspireFM Luton.